Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench, everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. Hackers are after your business data. I can help. I am Vi, the virtual intelligence assistant at Virtual Armor. Virtual Armor, partnered with Juniper Networks, provides cybersecurity services and end-to-end solutions to keep what's yours, yours. Defend yourself with managed firewall and managed SIM essential core services that are economical and efficient. Virtual Armor goes beyond just initial alerting to provide a thorough report on threats, vulnerabilities, and results. Let me help protect you. Contact me at JustAskVi. That's V-I dot com. And here we go. My opponent is against oil, guns, and God. I am the Democratic Party right now. 47 years, you've done nothing. Everything Americans value hangs in the balance. We have an obligation under the Constitution. To use every arrow in our quiver. This is the most important election in the history of our country. I believe that. This is Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull. It is episode number 25 of the Devious Motives podcast. It is a historic day here as we uh, gather to talk about the big issues. Why? Because you have a brand new Supreme Court justice who has been elevated to the Supreme Court, sworn in last night by Clarence Thomas, and then uh, officially sworn in. Uh, on the judicial oath, they do. This is common. This is nothing like you know unusual. You have the general oath that's taken in public, and then you have the 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 specific uh, uh, judicial oath that's administered by the Chief Justice John Roberts. That was done earlier today on Tuesday. And Amy Coney Barrett is now a member of the Supreme Court. She's she's there. She's there. And, and you know what we have to consider as you look at this conversation that's unfolding. And it's it's really incredible to do this, folks. Uh, you want to talk about the most devious of devious motives? You've got this conversation going on about court packing and watching the meltdown last night on 15 different levels as it relates to the court was a was a really instructive time. Chris Coons last night, you know, Mr. Reasonable from Delaware, you know, oh, gosh and golly, I'm just Joe Biden's guy in the campaign. And I go on uh, the safe shows on Fox and seem like a reasonable Democrat. Uh, he's not. He's a radical he is a guy who was uh, quietly one of the ringleaders when it came to smearing Brett Kavanaugh, somebody with whom he was friendly in a personal way. Uh, but that didn't stop him from trying to take the Bowie knife and issuing the coup de grace against Brett Kavanaugh. Well, well, he is just fit to be tied. He is furious. And it is not just about packing the courts and admitting new states to the union. But you know what he's talking about? He's actually talking about un. I don't even know what the term of this would be. The removal of the judges that President Trump has brought in over the last four years. He's talking to a, a hometown kind of crowd there with Rachel Maddow at Messy NBC. Listen to little Christopher Coons uh, talking about uh, what it is we need to do uh, about not letting these judges rest peacefully, peaceably, peacefully. What do you mean, Chris? We've got to have a wide open conversation about how do we rebalance our courts? Yes, the two Supreme Court cases that have been stolen 
where these processes that are just wildly hypocritical have been used to jam through partisan nominees. But we got to look at our federal courts as a whole, Rachel, because we've seen hundreds of conservative judges put on circuit courts and district courts all over this country in the last four years. In many cases, too young, too unqualified, and too far right to be allowed to sit peaceably without our re-examining the process, the results, and the consequences. Truly, I'm concerned about the use of the phrase peaceably, because what that feels like from Chris Coons is that he's putting up the bat signal to the radical, insane BLM slash Antifada crowd who's going to show up at the houses of these judges and either threaten or harm them. I I don't think it's wise for a guy as average as Chris Coons, as much as he's trusted by Joe Biden, to try to spark off a revolution in this country. But understand what's going on here. They understand. I do believe it's starting to set in. And in the next uh, in the next the bottom 15 minutes of this podcast, I'm going to let you hear from Gerard Lomero, who's going to give us a pretty good assessment of the elections. He thinks Trump's going to win this thing. He actually thinks a lot of other stuff in addition to that. But but let me let me start with this. Clearly, if we're pivoting now to the war on the the, the Article Three courts, this means that they know that they don't have the horses to pull this off. They're setting in motion what they need for 2022 now. It's what it's feeling like to me. And all I got to do is just play a few clips. Here is from a last night. Last night, this is Chuck Schumer talking about uh, how it is this is the worst day in the history of the United States Senate. He's going back to 1789 or 1790 or 1794. This is the worst day in the history of the United States Senate. So saith Chuck Schumer. Here, at this late hour, at the end of this sordid chapter in the history of the Senate, the history of the Supreme Court, my deepest and greatest sadness is for the American people. Generations yet unborn will suffer the consequences of this nomination. As the globe gets warmer, as workers continue to fall behind, as unlimited dark money floods our politics, as reactionary state legislatures curtail a woman's right to choose, gerrymander districts, and limit the rights of minorities to vote, my deepest, greatest, and most abiding sadness tonight is for the American people and what this nomination will mean for their lives, their freedoms, their fundamental rights. Monday, October 26th, 2020, it will go down as one of the darkest days in the 231-year history of the United States Senate. I yield the floor. Can you imagine what it's like when he goes to the bakery and they don't have his favorite kind of role? Just the pronounced disappointment he has. Glasses perched on the crown of his nose. Well, really, let's be honest, he usually wears them around his upper lip, sometimes his chin. Eddie, you don't have the poppy seed role I seek. This is the darkest day in all of my Senate service. But what you're seeing is a transition taking place. Yesterday, uh, out on the streets of Chester, Pennsylvania, there was a Joe Biden standing on a street corner as if he were in Winslow, Arizona. He, he, he's standing on a corner in Chester, Pennsylvania, and he's telling people, I'm not saying we got to pack the court, court, court to pack. We're going to, no, we're not going to do that. Here, what we got to do is, I've read some uh, important constitutional scholarship that says we what we can do instead is, well, maybe we can rotate the justices around and send them to different places and there won't be any permanent job. I'm not going to take on turbos. I have the clips. I have the clips. I have the clips. I'll play them in my over the air show on WBT today. But my gosh, they have gone 
bat bonkers crazy. As much as, see, it's a, it's a podcast. I curse on the podcast if I want, but I don't want to do it because I want to keep it classy. So you're starting to see the, the battle line drawn. It's going to be a war against the courts. When Schumer comes back into the minority and Speaker Pelosi has been retired to her, uh, to her ice cream uh, parlor, literally, in her home, and, and when, uh, who, let's see, who would be the speaker? If Pelosi gets run, uh, Speaker Ilhan Omar, uh, if, the, if the Dems keep the House, we have Speaker Ilhan Omar, Speaker Tlaib, the squad will have rotational, they'll have rotating uh, speaker leaders. Here is, I'm sorry, I don't mean to make light of this, but this is so bad and un-American and ugly. This is the aforementioned Rachel Maddow again. She was talking to Chris Coons and how he wants to not let the judges rest peaceably, wants to afflict them with street violence or threats or something. I don't know. Uh, but this is this is Rachel Maddow who's upset that they didn't adequately go at Amy Coney Barrett's Catholicism, personal faith, because now everything is going to be ruined and everything's going to be the fault of Amy Coney Barrett. Remember what I said? I think they're going to war with the courts because they understand they're not going to win the election. Here goes. Within her first month on the court, she'll be ruling on whether to get rid of the Affordable Care Act, which would throw tens of millions of Americans off their health care. She has been outspoken in saying that she believes that previous rulings to uphold the constitutionality of the Affordable Care Act were wrong. That's basically the equivalent of a, a new justice saying she will rule to strike down the Affordable Care Act. Again, that will put millions of Americans out of luck in terms of health insurance they currently have that they will lose because of that expected ruling. Also, within her first month in the, at the court, Barrett will be ruling on an important gay rights case. One of the things that didn't quite come up in her confirmation process is that she was on the board of a school that won't let kids go there if their mom or dad is gay. Uh, also, a school that won't hire gay teachers. How do you think she's going to rule on the gay rights case? Couldn't ask her about that in the confirmation process because she didn't disclose it to the Senate. And then once it was disclosed in public reporting, there wasn't time to go back to it because they were rushing her through so fast so she'd be there in time for the election. I will tell you, Judge Barrett will also, by the end of this week, be participating in a Supreme Court decision about whether they're going to take up a Mississippi case that is designed specifically to be the case that will overturn Roe versus Wade and make abortion illegal in this country. They will be making a decision on that on Friday. Okay, why, why is this happening like this? Two things. One, you have the COVID pandemic. The COVID pandemic didn't just affect business. What the COVID pandemic negatively affected was the business of disruption. What do I mean by that? Well, when you have a traditional, I want to use the right words here. If you had a conventional confirmation hearing and you were not in a COVID period where there were some people who were uh, on, on Zoom hookups and other people were doing the hookup and all that sort of stuff, uh, under, under normal circumstances, go back and pretend it's October 2019, not October 2020, and you had a confirmation hearing for Amy Coney Barrett, you would actually be able to bring in the, the, ra the rabble and the troublemakers from the street. You'd actually be able to bring Antifa people into the hearing. You'd be able to bring in Linda Sarsour with her ululation that she likes to do when she screams at people that she doesn't like. You would actually have uh, people coming in and, and self-immolating with a combination of, of vodka and gasoline. Um, you would have all that lunacy, and you didn't have that. And this cut against the progressives 
the only progressive who demanded the American people take action against Amy Coney Barrett was Amy Klobuchar when she said, this is a sham. This is a sham. You need to call your senators and tell them to stop the sham. And that was it. It was really, it was Sam Sham and the sham. And that was it. So what, what ended up happening was this. You didn't see disruptive hearings. It creates the impression of people watching on TV. This is an orderly process moving according to Hoyle. She gets uh, sailing through the, uh, the, the, the days of hearings, the questions, the counter questions, and then she gets to go through the markup with Lindsey Graham, and then she gets referred to the Senate uh, for the vote. The Senate takes the vote. She gets confirmed. It's game over. The, the only bit of, uh, of obstinate protest that you saw take place was when Maisie Hirono walked up to the clerk last night, took her thumb, John McCain style, put it down and said, not no, hell no. Okay, she's still on the Supreme Court. I mean, you can be mad. You can be angry. You can be upset. Remember, Maisie, your big question was, have you sexually assaulted anybody? Uh, uh, Judge, Judge Coney Barrett, uh, that was your big question. That was your big moment. Now, that and your obsession on sexual preference issues. But the fact of the matter is, Amy Cody Barrett's on the Supreme Court now. So, so what we're seeing form now is uh, there's going to be a push. There's going to be a push to do two things. One, admit other states into the union to give the Democrats a permanent majority. And two, to pack the court. They're going to try to pack the court. They don't care. That's what they're aiming to do. Because they, they can't go to war with Trump. At some point, Breyer's going to retire. Do you understand? And you'll go, the court will go 7-2. I mean, literally, you're going to be down to Kagan and Sotomayor as, as being the, the, the two folks who are the only solid libs. Breyer is 83 years old. It's a big deal. And so they have to go to war on the courts because they have to operate with an eye to 2022 and taking back the Senate and taking the House and impeaching a reelected Donald Trump. I mark my words. This is where it's headed. I, I promise you this is where it's headed. Because it's not about governance. It's not about work. It's not about any of that. What it's about is putting on the show that people demand to see. Does Chuck Schumer really believe this is the darkest hour in the history of the United States Senate? I don't think he does. I don't believe he does. I think he's out of his mind. I mean, the danger here is... The fact that Amy Coney Barrett is not a crazy person, is not a dangerous person, is not uh, uh, an acerbic person. I mean, this was the key takeaway from her swearing in last night with Clarence Thomas. The oath that I have solemnly taken tonight means at its core that I will do my job without any fear or favor. I mean, my gosh, that is that is positively a radical position of uh, that would make a uh, a, a, a Judge Robert Bork uh, blush. Of course, that's not the case. And you know that's not the case, and I know that's not the case. Uh, I wanted to take this time to kind of unpack this because I do think it's important to plant this seed that this is where the progressive fight is going to go next. It's going to go here. They've tried to uh, die on the hill that is the COVID. They have tried to die on the hill that is uh, Donald Trump is unfit and he's terrible and he's awful. Now they have to go after the institutional damage wrought by right-wing Republicans. So you watch in the coming weeks and months, regardless of the outcome of this election, where they're going. Where they're going is to war, to war on the courts in America. 
Soros and big liberal funders have gone to war on the local law enforcement component in this country. They, they have declared war on local district attorneys or district, yeah, district attorneys and, 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 and law enforcement at the most granular level with the bail project and, and bringing in super progressive district attorneys around this country. But now they need the other side of the equation. They must go to war with the federal courts to delegitimize any and all conservatives as being out of step with the mainstream of Marxist ideology. This will be, this will be the thing that powers the next two and a half years. I'm Brett Witterbull. Coming up next, Dr. Gerard Lomero, great news for America. We'll be back right after this on Devious Motives. You're listening to Devious Motives. You're listening to Devious Motives. Anytime I get to catch up with my next guest, I'm happy to do it, thrilled to do it. Uh, Dr. Gerard Lamero, greatnewsforamerica.com is the website. And uh, for those who are uninitiated uh, to our conversations, we've been having them for a number of years uh, at two different stations, originally in San Diego, now in, in beautiful uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. You are somebody who forecasts and looks at future trends, elections, uh, things like that. And uh, here we are exactly seven days away from the conclusion of this election. And uh, I just wanted to get a sense of sort of what you were looking at in terms of the trend lines, what you're expecting as of right now. And will this be a, a great triumph for, for Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer and, and Vice President Biden? No, I think it's going to be another disappointment for the Democratic Party and those key Democrat names you just mentioned. They are really upset with uh, Amy Coney Barrett's uh, confirmation yesterday, and they're going to be uh, very disappointed with the results in this election. What are the drivers? Uh, we, we've seen a number of new elements introduced just in the last 10 days. Obviously, the, the Hunter Biden hard drive, Tony Bobulewski coming forward, talking about uh, you know corruption. We've also seen a, a coronavirus spike of sorts, uh, a number of competing things happening out there, including Vice President Biden's flip-flopping on fracking. What is driving this debate, this discussion right now across the country? Well, let me uh, frame it maybe in a way you wouldn't expect, but I'll frame it differently. And that is about three decades ago, I wrote 10 laws for winning presidential elections. And the people who win presidential elections like to use those laws. Uh, they work. And one of the things I found in my research to do the 10 laws was the fact that there are three P's that determine a presidential election. Peace, prosperity, and personality of the candidates. And you ask, what are the driving issues? Peace at home and abroad. In this case, that means a lot of people, including suburban women, are upset about rioting, anarchy that the Democrats have empowered and allowed. That's going to cost them dearly in terms of votes they're losing from a lot of different groups that want peace in the neighborhoods. Prosperity is a big deal. A lot of people think Trump did a great job. He followed through. He, you know, he, whatever he promised, he did, and he didn't. That's absolutely true. And he was thrown a curveball with the COVID virus, but they don't blame him for that. They really think he's the best able to bring the economy back, not the Democrats who don't have a good record and who are talking about tax 
uh, increases. You know, that's one of the great things. If you want to lose an election, tell people you're going to raise their taxes. That really gets a lot of votes <laughs> away from you. And the third, the third thing is personality. It turns out that people really care about the personality of a president, much more so than, say, a congressman or a governor. The personality of a president is a big deal. The president's going to be in your living room every night on the news for the next four years. They want somebody they basically like. And while some people criticize Trump's tweets because he's a little harsh, a lot of people think it's just what the country needs because we need a tough president to deal not only uh, with external foes like Iran, but we also need, and China, I might add, mm -hmm. but we also need a tough person to deal with the left and the the fake news, the media, and I'm not criticizing your station or anything no, like that. I'm talking about the mainstream, or what some people call the mainstream media now, they call it the Marxist media. Mm -hmm. now, and, and people need, need want to see a president who's tough, who can fight it, and he, he, they love the way he fights it. You know, I picked up a trend in 2016, which turned out to be true, and that is the electorate wanted a general patent for president. You know, in the history of the United States, nine people have become president who were first pre uh, generals. You know, like General Dwight Eisenhower, mm -hmm. uh, other generals. And they wanted a general right now because what they think of generals are people who are tough, who can fight extended battles with whatever the enemy is. And they thought Washington needed a battle because they were people were entrenched in the deep state. And they also know that we needed a, somebody who would battle for us with North Korea, with China, and our other people around the world that are tough to deal with. And, of course, we needed somebody to battle Congress because they're pretty intransient sometimes. And they knew that in the past. And so, at any rate, long story short, mm -hmm. they like Trump's personality far more than they like uh, Joe Biden's. Is so it, for those three things, mm -hmm. it looks like a strong win for Trump. It is, talking about the personality and the notion of generals, is that why uh, so many people, including the president himself, will compare his style himself to Andrew Jackson because of... Of, of, of that that innate toughness and speaking plain and truthfully and straightforward at folks? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jackson's a good example. Teddy Roosevelt, another person, is a great example. Gerard Lomero joining us here. Um, he's the author of Great News for America um, and also a brand new book. And that's I want to pivot into this because this is an undercurrent of this conversation. We've been talking about it now for uh, three or four years, uh, uh, Dr. Lomero. Uh, real world socialism, spiritual, moral and economic bankruptcy sold by using false hopes and deceit. The, the progressives since 2018, but really in this campaign, have just been naked about the socialism, whether it's a $90 trillion Green New Deal or a, a college for all or whatever it is, all the giveaways you can think of along with open borders. It, it, is the squad, is this, is this a referendum on the squad and their policies as well uh, as, as it being a, a referendum on the performance of Donald Trump in this election? It's not a referendum on the squad at all. What it is, is a, a debate that's mm -hmm. going on between the, the left and uh, the traditional forces, the conservative popular forces of Trump, uh, between socialism and our current constitutional republic. Believe it or not, it's the biggest election in terms of America since 1789. That was the year that uh, George Washington was elected president for the first time we had an election in the Electoral College. And at that time, the big issue is, should we ratify this constitution? Sounds like a lot of good words. Do we ratify it? And they had a big debate. And do you know that uh, 
three states did not actually vote in the first electoral college. New York State didn't get their electors in on time to vote. And uh, let's see, who else? North Carolina and Rhode Island didn't vote because they hadn't yet ratified the Constitution. They weren't allowed to. Mm -hmm. But after that election, uh, America, American people decided, yes, we like that Constitution. We're going to go with it. All the states ratified it, and every, everybody had a, a wonderful time after that. We've had a wonderful nation for 240 years, almost 250 years. But this election, it's the same sort of thing. Do we want the constitutional republic, the constitution we have? George, uh, George Bush, no, not him. No, no. <laughs> I'm sounding like Biden. <laughs> yes. Uh, Donald Trump, George Bush. Uh, well, of course, George Bush would, would tell you he'd want to keep the Constitution. But Donald sure. Trump wants to fight for the Constitution. He wants to appoint constitutional conservatives to the court, as he did, you know, just recently with ACB. And um, the other folks, the Democratic Party has morphed into a socialist radical party. Antifa and BLM are the Marxist militant sides of the Democratic Party. And the Democratic mayors and governors of blue states and blue cities are permitting anarchy in the streets. And the American people are really against that. But this election is turning out to be, do we want to, the referendum is, do we want to go with socialism or do we want to go with the capitalistic system we have now? Freedom guaranteed by a constitutional republic. That's what the debate is about. That's why the turnout's going to be high. That's why the Democrats are going to be given their worst loss they've ever had. Th they've ever had really that big yes in fact i've been predicting since 2015 mm -hmm. back then i made this prediction by the way most of my predictions come true yeah. if you follow me i predicted that uh the democratic party would end cease to exist in april 2021 we'll have to see if it plays out that exactly <laughs> but i do believe they're going to be handed a huge loss that their losses will be so incredible. They've lost so many Democrats. Right now, 25% of people at Trump rallies are former Democrats. Can you imagine that? It's incredible. Yeah. And they may still be registered Democrats, but they're voting for Trump. That's amazing. Well, I think they're going to be handed a big loss. I think they're going to lose. As I've told you, I think on air, they're going to lose uh, the uh, House. Mm -hmm. They're going to keep the Senate gain one seat thanks to the wonderful guy in Michigan who's going to win for the Republicans in the Senate. Right. And, uh, and so that's what we're, we're looking at right now. It's, it's a big thing, and I do predict the end of the Democratic Party because parties do not have to exist forever. This one's been around a long time, but the Whigs were around for a long time. They're no longer here either. Right. It's a good point. Uh, what about this argument that you do get from from never Trumpers and, and people on the left that that Donald Trump has consumed the Republican Party? There really isn't a conservative party or a Republican party. It is a Trumpian party. H how does that play out against the backdrop of history, doctor? Well, actually, it, it, it fits quite well. Uh, it is a different party. And back in 2015, when I was making predictions mm -hmm. about what was coming uh, short term, like 2016 election, I predicted the change in the, uh, the Republican Party and it would change to something that, we, that was different. And, and it was not going to be the same old Republican Party rhinos and all those never Trumpers who were in it. Uh, no, Trump, Trump won that battle. He, he, he took a battle for the Republican Party and has taken it in a new direction. The new direction is populist, conservative. 
That's what it is. It's for the regular people, the working people, the people who have been forgotten, the people in flyover country, mm-hmm. uh, people who are coal miners, people who are working class Americans, people who take their, their kids to baseball practice and soccer, things like that. Uh, the Republican Party is more a new party, and I think it should give itself a new name, and maybe it will. And I would call it the Conservative Populist Party, or some people want to call it the Trump Party, but I don't think it'll be named after a person. It'll get some other title uh, that's representative of the fact that it is no longer the Republican Party. John Kasich doesn't sit in there anymore. Right. And an awful lot of other Republicans uh, turn their nose up at, at Trump, but uh, they're the ones who are really wrong because they're not in step with the American people. Trump is. Two, two uh, last uh, little thoughts and questions for you. Sure. Uh, first, first one is role of big tech in this. Uh, your level of concern... Uh, as somebody who consumes a lot of news and information and data points and things like that, we saw big tech tip their hand by locking out the New York Post on the Hunter Biden hard drive story, things like that. Are you concerned about the growing tech tyranny out there in this country that will that will stand as an impediment to the free exchange of ideas if, if they're not uh, if they're not approved by the uh, Silicon Valley uh, uh, groupings? Well, I'm concerned because it's an existing problem, but I'm also optimistic because I think it's going to get solved. I think they're going to be treated like a monopoly. I mean, just suppose if uh, you had to go and get a new phone when you moved to Charlotte, okay? Right. And let's just say you need a new phone and you go to the phone company. And maybe you need gas uh, or electric and you mm-hmm. go to the utility con- uh, company in that area. And you said to them, I'm here, I'm new, I need these utilities. And they said, are you Republican or Democrat, conservative or progressive? And you give the answer, I'm conservative, you know, and they turn around and they say, well, I'm sorry, we don't give you a phone service. You can't have electric. They're utilities. Google's a utility. Facebook is a utility. Everybody uses them. So they've got to be regulated like a utility. And they have no business uh, editorializing or cutting down people's free speech. Can you imagine if a phone company would not allow you to talk on the phone because you're conservative? Of course not. (laughs) I'm fearful of what may be coming based on that story. I hadn't given that one a thought there, Doctor. Um, well, it, it makes sense, and I think the American people are going to solve this. There's a lot of pressure on, and there will be a lot more pressure after this election. And, and with a Republican House, a Republican Senate, and a Republican White House, that problem is going to be solved soon. All right, final question for you as you sure. look as you look out there across this uh, landscape. This may not be something you can quantify by numbers per se, but just by looking out how these things are unfolding. Um, if it's if the president retains, I'm going to be pessimist. If the president retains the presidency and he keeps the Senate and the House, you know, maybe tightens up or, or does go to the Republicans. Uh, do you expect capitulation because it's a message election? Do you expect that the Democrats are going to play ball? Or do you expect more uh, of this explosion of kinetic violence on the streets, protests, uh, resistance, that sort of stuff? What do you expect in the, in the near term, meaning the next, you know, three to six to eight months? Well, I think there may be some people who uh, take to the streets because they've been getting away with it, as I said, with Democrat uh, governors and Democrat mayors in big blue cities and big blue states. Uh, but I think that uh, Trump will put an end to it. I mean, if it's, a, if it's a concerted armed insurrection, which is the way that Black Lives Matter and the Antifa's talk, I think he will take action. He's not going to allow the cities to burn down at, at the expense of mayors who want to promote their political 
positions. So I think there may be some in the short term, but it won't last because we have a tough president. In terms of um, uh, Amy Coney Barrett's mm -hmm. confirmation, we were told a few weeks ago that they'd be rioting in the streets if right. uh, she was confirmed. I haven't seen that happen. It's a great point. Dr. Gerard Lomero, it's, uh, it's been a blast uh, riding through all this sure. with you, and I know that we will be, uh, we will be unpacking it as we get uh, to the other side of the election. I want to encourage everybody to go to greatnewsforamerica.com, greatnewsforamerica.com. Uh, pick up your book on socialism as well. And uh, looking forward to round three together as we move towards the next set of elections. Way, way, way down the road, all right, my friend? <laughs> Sounds like fun. Oh, Sounds yes. like great fun. And by the way, the book Socialism, Real World Socialism, I wrote because I saw the trend that it was going to be the number one issue this year. So a year and a half ago, I, I started writing the book. So I have a book out in time for the, the issue. That's a great, it's a great one to pick up and read, folks. Uh, do yourself a favor and get it. Um, I imagine you can get it on Amazon, all the usual sort of oh, places. Oh, yeah. yeah, all the usual places. <laughs> Great stuff. Dr. Gerard Lomero, all the best to you, and I look forward to our next visit, my friend. I do, too. Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. Hackers are after your business data. I can help. I am Vi, the virtual intelligence assistant at Virtual Armor. Virtual Armor, partnered with Juniper Networks, provides cybersecurity services and end-to-end -end solutions to keep what's yours, yours. Defend yourself with managed firewall and managed SIM essential core services that are economical and efficient. Virtual Armor goes beyond just initial alerting to provide a thorough report on threats, vulnerabilities, and results. Let me help protect you. Contact me at justaskvi. That's vi.com.